I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, struggle with alcoholism and drug addiction, and my name is Zach. Okay. As a child, I was always a little shy and reserved. I had a couple close friends in my neighborhood, along with my cousins and my little brother. We created a lot of positive and fun childhood memories. Sports consumed my life, and my dad was my biggest fan and coach. Mom and dad seemed to always get along, and I never really saw many fights or arguments between them. I thought they had a happy marriage, even though I never had seen them hug or kiss like the married couples did on TV. My mom took me and my brother to church every Sunday while my dad slept in and refused to get out of bed to go with us. My dad was a good dad and loved me very much. He didn't grow up in a faith-filled home, and I'm still unsure about the quality of the relationship he had with his parents. They passed away when I was a baby, so I never really met them. Mom taught us about God, and she was the spiritual leader of our household. My dad taught me baseball and was going to help equip me to become a Major League Baseball player. In seventh grade, I was the starting second baseman for my middle school team. During one of our games, I was playing second base just like I'd always had. There was a runner on first, and a routine ground ball went to the pitcher. I covered the base for a double play. Our pitcher threw it over my head, and I went up for it, and when I came down, the runner slid into, slid into me and snapped. My leg was broken, both my tibia and fibula. This led to my first encounter with mind-altering substances. I was prescribed OxyContin around the clock for the next three months to deal with the pain of my leg healing. I liked the way the medicine made me feel, and when my leg recovered and was taken off of the medicine, I never forgot about my experience with those pills. A couple years later, my freshman year of high school, I saw my mom crying like I'd never seen before. She couldn't hide it. Something was clearly wrong. I found out my dad was texting some other woman. He was having an affair. It all happened really quick, and I don't have a lot of recollection of that time period. I remember like it, um, sorry, I remember like it felt like my world had come to an end. Our family was shattered, and it hurt so, so bad. The next conversation I remember is discussing that we wouldn't be able to stay in our home in the neighborhood I grew up in. We had to leave and move into a smaller house with my mom and leave all our neighbor friends behind. This was very hard for me to, for both me and my brother to take, and nothing was the same, it felt. Around this time, I was having some behavioral and mood issues and was put on antidepressants, uh, Zoloft, and was diagnosed with having clinical depression. At a young age, I didn't know any better but to accept the diagnosis as part of my identity. There was something wrong with me. I wasn't normal. I'm flawed. These were the type of beliefs I developed. My dad was also put on antidepressants a couple years prior, so it was assumed it was a genetic mental illness that was passed on to me. So my interpretation of this was that medications or drugs was the solution to my brokenness. I started experimenting with alcohol, marijuana, and other drugs my senior year in high school. I remembered how the pain medication made me feel, and my home life was broken now, so why not? That's, that's what my thought process was. 
Around this time, I got my first ever girlfriend. She did not come from a good home, and I was warned by friends this probably wasn't the person I should date, but I ignored them. I began to idolize her, and she became my god. After about eight months of dating, I found out she cheated on me with a coworker at her job. It devastated me, and I would go into a dark spiral of depression. This was about the time I graduated from high school, and I received a scholarship to wrestle in college. The alcohol and drug use had progressed very fast, and I inevitably end up quitting the wrestling team and flunking my first semester of college. I turned to the only solution I knew of, which was medication. I convinced my psychiatrist I had ADHD and was prescribed Adderall at age 18 to help focus in school, which worked in the short term and my grades improved until my tolerance to the medication grew and I needed to increase my dosage. As the dosage slowly increased, my sleep suffered and I convinced my psychiatrist to prescribe me benzodiazepines, anxiety medication, to help with sleep. I drank daily, and I drank for one goal, and that was to black out. I didn't want to be awake. I was reckless and would try to take or do anything to escape the pain. Painkillers uh, worked, but were too expensive, so I found cough syrup in high doses worked pretty well too, or just about any kind of drug. I had a few occasions with this, though, that almost cost me my life from overdose. So I decided to stick to alcohol, marijuana, and medications that I could get prescribed by my doctor. Eventually, I inevitably got a DUI along with a few public intoxication charges over the next few years. Shortly after my DUI, I moved to Stillwater as an attempt to get away from the mess of a life I had created. I only had two friends in Stillwater, and they were both devoted followers of Christ. Their influence in my life eventually led me to getting saved involved in Bible studies. I was, however, still dependent on mood-altering medications and alcohol. I still felt empty, and I know now that it was the sin separating me from God that was the root of this emptiness. However, at the time, I thought it was because I didn't have a female in my life. I prayed daily and diligently for two years that God would put a woman in my life because I thought that it would fill the hole in my heart and would solve my drinking problem. At age 23, I met Lexi. I hid the fact that I had a drinking problem from her as long as I could, but there was no hiding it. She realized in a couple weeks there was more to it than me just wanting an occasional beer. Around a year into dating her, she caught me stealing pain medication from a family member's medicine cabinet, and I knew the gig was up. I became open to the idea of going into a place to detox from the alcohol. Her and I both knew I had a problem, and I really did love her and couldn't imagine the idea of losing her. So I agreed to spend four days in a psych ward to detox. I got out and went back to school with the intention of being alcohol-free but with no plan of recovery or tools to support this decision. The next 30 days went by very slowly as I sat in my dorm room, basically staring at the wall not knowing what to do with myself without the alcohol that I depended on for so long. It was what I now know of being a dry drunk or white knuckling it. On day 31, I relapsed 
and went back to my old way of doing things. I went back to drinking and a couple years later asked Lexi to marry me. Once again, maybe getting married would solve my problems. Not only did nothing change after getting married, but it got worse, a lot worse. My vows didn't match my life or behaviors. I was becoming sicker and sicker, physically, mentally, and spiritually. I began to isolate myself away from my wife. I became emotionally and physically unavailable to her. As our new marriage started spinning out of control, I put the blame on everything and everyone except for myself. I was in extreme denial on what was actually going on and who I was becoming. I had zero relationship with God, and God was the last thing on my mind. I drowned in self-pity and took on a a victim mentality. Everyone and everything was out to get me in my mind, even the ones who loved me the most, like my wife and family. After not being able to pay rent, my mom helped us break the lease to our apartment and we moved out to her land to live in a trailer to save up some money and get back on our feet. The alcohol use remained the same and we were not able to get back on our feet or save any money at all. I would start drinking as soon as I got home from work and smoke weed and then took sleeping medications to go to sleep. When I woke up, I would just feel like death. I would rush over to the bottle of Adderall and take them and just wait until they kick in so that I could wake up in the morning. My alarm would go off on my phone at 2 p.m., signaling me to take the prescription benzos I had in my bag. This was around the time the alcohol withdrawals would come on and my hands would get tremors. I would count down the next three hours so that I could race home after work to get that first sip of alcohol and repeat the same cycle that I had done for the last eight years. My life was insane. It was dark, and I felt like a slave. My marriage and my body were on the verge of collapse, and I had no choice but to get help or lose my marriage and my life to alcohol and drugs. I decided to go to an inpatient rehab on January 4th, 2019. While I was in rehab, I realized my way of doing things wasn't working, and I don't know what is best for me in my life. Living life by my will made me very sick and in desperate need for healing. While going through the painful withdrawals in rehab, I surrendered my will and life to Jesus, knowing that he had the power that I didn't have to set me free from myself. There was an overwhelming desire to use mood-altering substances for me that would just never go away. It controlled my mind and all of my thoughts. This obsession was removed from me completely by surrendering to Christ. After being set free from the chains I lived in, I came to realize I didn't really know who I was or what to do with this newfound freedom. I did know that Satan would do whatever he could to get me to fall back into addiction. I knew I needed to take extreme action and rebuild my life from scratch with Christ as my foundation. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, 
Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I was introduced to CR the first um, time I tried to get sober, and I attended one meeting and thought it was a cool experience, but I was still convinced that I wasn't that bad off, and I wasn't able to come out of denial at that time. The seed was planted, though, and I attended Celebrate Recovery immediately the day I got out of rehab, and I knew this was going to be a vital part of my recovery. I also signed up for the soonest step study available. I knew I needed tools, support, and most importantly, God, to keep me sober. There were a couple instances in my first 60 days of recovery where I was tempted to go back to drinking. I remember the urge was overwhelming and brought me to tears. I was scared, and I hit my knees and prayed and listened to worship music on full blast. The urges passed, and I felt like I was getting stronger. I avoided all situations and places where I thought I would be vulnerable to temptation. The fog slowly lifted bit by bit each month. It felt like my brain was thawing out and my mind was becoming more and more clear each time I went up to get my monthly sobriety milestone chip. I started to feel like I was an adult for the first time in my life. I had a newfound sense of self and purpose. I knew I wasn't alone, and it felt like everyone was cheering me on and proud of me. I also chose to surrender my finances to God by giving the first 10% of of my income to the church. This took a lot of faith due to the fact that I had never been able to support myself financially in my life. But at the same time, I knew God could do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And I received a random raise and bonus from my boss the first week after my tithe. Um. God indeed had my back if I, put my, if I put him first in my life. Not only have me and my wife been able to pay all of our bills since my surrender, but we've also been able to save up some money and buy a house, as well as, as, well as pay off all our student loan debt. Around, um, yeah. Around my first year of sobriety, we had a son named Ezekiel. Ezekiel's back there in the kids' ministry right now. <clears throat> my wife couldn't make it tonight. Um, she's home with the baby, but she's watching online. Love you. Um, we had our second son last year. His name is Callum. I feel so blessed my son's never had to see me living in addiction. My wife, Lexi, stays home with the kids, and I work as an insurance broker, and I've been doing really well at it. We are members of First Baptist Church in Jinx, and I attend weekly CR meetings and also serve twice a month at Cafe Recovery and at Grand Central. I'm open about my faith and my recovery in the workplace. My life in sobriety is not perfect, but it's so, so much better than living in the chains of addiction. I have truly experienced God's favor since my surrender. I have completed two step studies. I'm co-leading a step study right now, and I just received my four-year sobriety chip on January 4th of this year. Thank you. God's good. The step studies have definitely helped build my foundation in Christ and has helped renew my mind with scripture. 
The steps and principles we take and learn through this program help equip me to live as an obedient follower of Christ and to, and to disciple others to do the same. The most important principle for me was principle one. Realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. I tried to do it on my own for a long time and I'd finally come to the realization that I didn't have the power to stop drinking on my own and I was in desperate need of God to set me free. I have learned a lot about myself since surrendering to Christ and a lot about who I am called to be as a follower of Christ. I will continue to take step studies and be a part of the CR family as long as I live. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm beyond thankful for the freedom Christ has given me and for the Celebrate Recovery Ministry to help me grow in the Lord as well as all my family and friends for the constant love and support. I also wanted to give a special thanks to my wife, Lexi. She showed me so much grace and love that can only be explained by God's presence in her heart. She could have left and I would have not blamed her for it, but she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and I'm forever grateful for it. I look forward to seeing where God takes me and know that he is good through it all. To anyone new at Celebrate Recovery, I really wanna encourage you to keep coming back. It's okay to not be okay. God loves you and we love you, and this ministry will meet you right where you are. There is freedom at the feet of Jesus. Thank you for listening to my story.